This is episode 446 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles, Bug Out Location, Pick Three Locations at Least, and How to Maneuver a Vehicle and Drive During Whiteout Conditions. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, I hope you've taken advantage of the free video lesson, Three Ways to Get Started in Food Storage. If you haven't, there is a link in the show notes, and you can go over, register, and participate in this video lesson. I think it's very useful. I have three downloadable worksheets, and I also have an MP3 version if you want to download it and listen to it on the go. So don't forget, that's in the show notes, three easy ways to get started in food storage. All right, so I also want to remind you that this week on Thursday, November 15th, 2018, At 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'm going to be interviewing James Leary of PlanAndPrepared.com. He is an officer, a police officer, that is going to be talking to us about home security. So I'll have a link to uh, an event that I've created on Facebook so that you can stay up to date on all that information as it comes out. I want to share some Um, you know, articles that he's going to do or that he's written and just to let you, you know, give you a flavor for what, how James is going to share with us. And so uh, I hope you can be a part of that. And like I said, I'm going to link to the event on Facebook so you can come over and like it. And that way you'll be informed of all the things, all the information that I'm putting out about this Facebook live interview. All right. So yesterday I was going to talk about this and I didn't um, but this is just really devastating. Uh, the, the fires over in California, it is crazy. I think the, today I saw a report that maybe there was in the upper 30s people that, that they know are confirmed dead. And then there's 200 people still missing. I mean, that's just, it's devastating. And, you know, when you, when you think about it, how fast it was going, I know I talked about it um, you know, last week a little bit, but then it has just really increased and it's jumped and, and uh, man, it's just very sad. And so it's one of those things where life happens just so quickly and you have to evacuate. Actually, I was reading an article where someone was saying that they, were, they, were, they weren't at home when the evacuation notice uh, hit, so they weren't able to get their bug out bags or anything like that. So they were kind of stuck out, you know, it's like, what, what do you, what do you do in that situation where, you know, you can't go back to your home because, you know, there's an evacuation order. They're not letting people back in there and then you don't have anything with you, right? You, so a lot of people would say you need to carry a kit with you all the time. And that's very, you know, that's uh, good advice there that you should have that kind of uh, stuff with you. But man, you know, this thing just happened very, very quickly. And so thinking about this, um, it just kind of all came together because I, I wasn't necessarily planning on this of course that you know that the fire would be this big when I when I prepared to have this article today uh, when I was going to read this one and, and today it's, it's kind of rare because I'm reading two that I, where I normally read one 
partly because they're not very long articles, but I think it's very relevant. And again, it's one of those things where we need to keep in the back of our minds that, you know, there are opportunity or time, not opportunities. There are going to be times where we might have to bug out and, you know, your plan might be to bug in, which a lot of people have that, you know, have that plan. But if there was ever a situation where you did need to leave, you want to be prepared for that. You know, you want to have a plan for that. So, I'm going to read this first article. It comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. And the article is entitled, Bug Out Location, Pick Three Locations at Least. And so, Salty has written this article. I think it's some good information. It's good general information to get you thinking because you never know what the situation might be like. And so, you do need to have plan A, plan B, plan C. And, you know, have some, some good plans in place So when something goes down, you're not having to think, okay, what am I going to do? You're able to just move into that plan. So let's go ahead and start reading this first article. Like I said, comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. Bug out location, pick three locations at least. After spending a lot of time on prepper forums and websites, I've noticed something interesting. People are spending an inordinate amount of time talking about their bug out bags and their bug out vehicles but very little time discussing their bug out locations. I get that. Here at 3BY, we've looked at bug out bags and bug out vehicles as well, but we also talk a lot about the place or our bug out land in the country. What we haven't really talked about, however, is that the place is only one of our bug out locations. We have several specific places planned for and scouted, and in two cases with family members, We have firm reciprocal agreements. So pick three locations at least. Spice and I believe every prepper should have at least three locations in mind when preparing a bug out plan. Since we don't have any idea what we may be bugging out from, we want to have way different locations for each potential event. Some events are beyond the bug out scale. For example, a Yellowstone eruption is probably just going to get us since setting up a bug out location in Australia is way beyond our means. So let's take a look at our bug out location options and use them as an example. So bug out location, someplace nearby. Option one is something nearby in our current town. Why would we do this? Fire and or storm damage. In our case, we rent a small climate controlled office space in our town where it's dirt cheap that I have turned into a man cave and a place to store a lot of our preps in stable temperatures. We have a recliner and a couch that converts into a sleeping area all ready to go. It has everything except shower facilities, but we have that covered by our local gym membership. The cost of this setup is less than a lot of people pay for storage facilities that are not climate controlled. So a bug out location, a prepared location for specific events. For us, This is the place. The place is very much a work in progress, and at the moment, it's suitable only for a short-term set of circumstances. But we are getting better all the time. The place is our answer to a couple of the biggest threats we face, although only one of these two threats involve us actually moving to the place, a pandemic. Spice and I believe that the most likely mass SHTF event to hit us is pandemic, since pandemics have raged throughout the centuries and a huge one, the 1918 flu, wiped out millions within the lifetimes of our grandparents. The best way to not be a victim of the next great pandemic 
is to isolate yourself, and the place is a perfect location to do that. The other major threat the place helps us with is economic collapse where money is devalued. Paid-for real estate is a tangible asset that diversifies our holdings. Boring? Yes, but it's a real protection. One additional protection the place provides is against the New Madrid earthquake fault breaking loose with a massive quake. The place is entirely out of the New Madrid damage area. The subsurface rocks are entirely different than those in the damage area. So there is a map that Salty has um, embedded into this article um, that you might want to look at. Okay, so a bug out location someplace more than 50 miles away. Our shared bug out location is with family. My sister Mammy, an occasional contributor here at 3BY, is a prepper and her husband, the man of the house, have made a mutual support deal with us. They live about 90 miles from where we live, so that works out well for both of us. I highly recommend a family arrangement for all preppers whenever possible. People who you have known your entire life are irreplaceable, even if they did dress you up in little girl clothing and forced you to do a tea party when you were a three-year-old. Not that I'm saying this ever happened to me, mind you. Uh, There's just a little bit of therapy going on there. (laughs) All right, so then a bug out location someplace regional but far enough away. We've also got a couple of out of the way places in our region picked out to relocate to if we have a regional disaster and we need to bug out for a bit. We travel a lot and we've scouted out a bunch of potential locations in our region. One location we found is a small town in Iowa. We have good friends in the local area and the town has abundant food sources access to good clean water locally, and is in the heart of the wind power electrical grid. One location is in Nebraska, and it's also flush with local food resources, has a year-round river, is extremely isolated, but is large enough to have full professional services, like a doctor, dentist, nursing, living locally. One key to finding a bug-out location is, in our opinion, to go where the food is, It does you no good to bug out if you are going to have to fight for or steal food. To intentionally go where there is no food is just slow suicide. But Salty, I plan to bug in, not out. Why do I need multiple bug out locations? Sometimes you have to go. That's why every member of your family group should have a bob ready to go at all times. Don't have a bob for every day? Paranoid Prepper will help you work up Bob's for the Bobless. So there is an article link there. And then every prepper should also have a 72-hour kit or even better, a 14-day kit. So again, there's another article there or that you can link to. There are situations that come up where you just have to go. Your house burns down. Your neighborhood burns down. There's a local toxic spill. A hellmouth opens up under your city and vampires abound. Okay, Salty, it's time to chill on those Buffy, the Vampire Slayer reruns, etc. All right, so as we have discussed before, planning to randomly bug out into the woods is a very good way to die. There's another article link there. Don't be that person. Have several bug out locations already in mind and preps made to use them successfully. So wrapping it all up, we think it is critical to always prep with a plan. We plan ahead for the possibility of bugging out, but since we don't know what we may be bugging out from, we need different locations predetermined. So if we have to hit the road, we know where we are going and we know we will be successful when we get there. All right. 
So guys, like I said, a short article, but a lot of good information, things to get you thinking about. I like the way that they have processed you know, the different locations and they actually have places to go. You know, part of this is having family members in other parts of the country or at least 90 miles away, right? That's, that's a little over than a uh, little over than an hour drive to, uh, to his uh, sister's location, right? And so that's very doable if you can get a jump on the, the event and get a jump on the situation where you can, where you can go and get out. And then they have, you know, an idea of going to different towns where they do have some friends possibly, but they've, you know, they've searched it out. And I think that's very key, right? To be able to think about things like that. Part of it is that you need to go out and you need to do a little bit of traveling, a little bit of exploring and, and you know, get an idea of what could possibly be available for you, right? And so there really, there needs to be I think an article written, and so I don't know if, if people are listening, maybe you are into an article or to writing an article, an article written with ideas. And so, you know, Salty has given us some ideas here, but maybe for those of us who don't have family members, like all my family members are here in Houston, in town. So I wouldn't have somewhere that I could go if, uh, you know, I, we weren't going to my dad's place out in the country or something like that. You know, if that wasn't available, if, if that way was cut off or something, uh, you know, along those lines. And so that's something that needs to be kind of thought out, I would think. And so maybe somebody would do a, an article on that. Or if somebody has a lot of ideas coming over to episode, you know, 446 and dropping dropping those ideas. And maybe, you know, somebody can bounce off of those and, and write an article, or maybe it's something that I, you know, I could write an article at some point in the future. But anyway, I think that's something that need to, needs to be explored to give people, a, you know, some idea, but there needs to be some work that you do on, on the other side of it. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to bug out to a, to a, a camp out, you know, or to a, to a campground or something like that. There needs to be a little bit more thought into it. You know, where exactly are you bugging out to and why? I think that would be you know, just the general, general ideas. So anyway, that's going to be over at Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and you, like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can click on over to it. All right, so this next article comes to us from readynutrition.com, and I'm going to be very honest with you. I have no knowledge of this at all, so I am completely going off of this article. However, I know that not everybody lives in the South where I live. You know, we have at the very most, we get a little bit of snow and uh, it melts off very quickly. And when it snows, everybody thinks it's like a big miracle uh, and, you know, everything shuts down. The Really what happens, though, is we get ice and people don't know how to drive on ice. And so everybody who has, uh, you know, auto repair just love those times because people get out there, they drive and they have the little fender benders because they don't know how to drive in ice. And, you know, we have we have that. But this article is entitled How to Maneuver a Vehicle and Drive During Whiteout Conditions. And it is something that I have no experience with at all. Now, you know, my wife has some family members that moved up north. And so they did have to learn how to drive in the snow. And it was one of those things that was very uh, scary. I, I know for him at first, because he just wasn't very used to it. And so he was kind of like, uh, you know, how do I, how do I do this? How do I navigate this? Uh, and, you know, they're, they're further up north. You know, now that I said, I don't have family members up really far up, you know, or, or away, you know, they are 
pretty far away. So it's not close enough to where it's in like an hour away or whatever. So now that I say that, I'm going back to the other article. But anyway, going back to the, you know, to these whiteout conditions, it's not something that I had experience, I have experience with and it could be a thing, right? So there are people that are always moving, people that are moving from the South, going up to the North and uh, you're, you're having to drive in, in conditions like this. And there are some videos that, uh, that show like a whiteout condition. And I can see that it would be very, very stressful. You know, sometimes you drive and, uh, in rain and rain's coming down so hard that you can't, you can't see at all, you know, and it's crazy you still have people driving 50, 60 miles an hour and stuff like that. But I can just imagine it in, in snow would be even, you know, even crazier, uh, because yeah, you, you can't see where you're going at all. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and read this one. And uh, like I said, it's not a very long one. Those of you that do live up north, if I, if this article is completely bonkers and completely way off, please let me know. And then I'll just mention it. So come over to episode 446 and uh, leave a comment. And then I'll, I'll mention it in a future episode and uh, just let people know, hey, don't pay attention to that article. But anyway, so let's go ahead and get uh, started on this one. Again, like I said, coming to us from readynutrition.com. And uh, this was it's not written by Tess. Tess is my friend, and she runs Ready Nutrition over there. But this is a guest post, so let's go ahead and, and start reading this one. Whiteout conditions can be dangerous, if not deadly. With cold weather around the corner, we're going to cover some basic information on what you need to do when driving in these winter conditions. For those of you who are unaware of what is what it is like in driving in whiteout conditions. This is a good video that demonstrates just how dangerous it can be. So like I said, it's just a short 34 second video, but it does show the whiteout conditions. And so if you've never been or have experienced that before, you can kind of, you know, check that out. I was, I was expecting something to happen in the video, to be honest with you. I was expecting, you know, like a, a wreck or something like that, but it's just, uh, video to show you how how bad whiteout conditions are because you can't see very far you know, I, you know in, in front of the vehicle all right so the most basic rule to follow for your safety before we proceed is this if you do not think you can drive further pull off to the safest available portion of the shoulder or off the road hunker down and wait out the storm make sure you have some emergency supplies to survive being stranded in your vehicle there's a link for that there. One of the best things about living in the area that I do is that open stretches of empty road are just that. Hardly any traffic at all. This whiteout caught a lot of people off guard and they were forced into making it home from work as it began about 4 p.m. and lasted a few hours. Whiteouts are caused when the snowfall's effects are exasperated and strengthened by a strong wind. It is not necessarily a blizzard, but the more snowfall, the worse it will be when the winds pick up. You cannot see even half a vehicle length in front of you. So how to drive in a whiteout. So there is an article, or I'm sorry, there is a video here that is linked. Uh, and it is, uh, you know, one of those how-to, um, e-how-to uh, articles or videos. I keep saying articles, videos that you can check out. It's not a very long one. It's about two minutes. All right, so these techniques mentioned here should be practiced before you employ them for real. How do you practice? You find a road that does not have a lot of traffic that is close to your home and take one or two people with you. Take flashlights and attachments that make the flashlight a colored cone 
preferably red as it stands out in the falling snow the best. Now practice the techniques that we will outline with one person in the vehicle and another one as a control person to help ensure success by guiding the vehicle from the outside. Now let's begin. This technique can be very dangerous if you do not employ it correctly. For naysayers and law and order worshipers, keep in mind there are such things as mitigating circumstances. If you're suffering from some kind of injury with no telephone and it's a life or death situation, forget about officer friendly and go for the win. Succeed in your travel. One of the problems with whiteouts is with the headlights themselves. The lights reflect off the snowflakes and blind the driver. So high beams are out. Low beams can also be out. And now for the punchline. You can drive through a whiteout in a controlled manner better without the headlights than with them. Now I can see smirks and skeptics gathering the straw now, but before you burn me, hear me out. Try this under normal snowfall conditions. Try it in your neighborhood or in your driveway if you are away from the city glow at night. Turn off the headlights and look around. You see, you can see. There is enough ambient light in, in a snowfall to allow you to see if you follow the key rule. You must give your eyes time to adjust to the low levels of light. This takes practice. In the whiteout, you'll be able to see the outline of things without the headlights to reflect back into your eyes. You'll see the edges of the road and the road in the distance, farther than with the headlights. I'm not talking about with NVGs or night vision goggles. I'm talking about killing your headlights, giving your eyes time to adjust to the darkness, and then setting out slowly at a pace where you're sure you can drive. If you can't do it, then pull over to the side of the road and wait for a friendly officer with a badge or for the storm to stop. You will see oncoming traffic and from a long way off. Then just pull over to the side of the road and put on your headlights until the opposing traffic passes. Also, cars ahead of you can be seen from their taillights and possibly from the headlights. It takes time to perfect and takes practice. When I was in the service, there was a couple of really good platoon sergeants who used to take everyone out in Humvees and we would drive blind, that is to say with no night vision goggles or any light. In Germany, when you're driving cross-country and off the road, it's even more difficult, but we learned. Practice does make perfect, and one final time, it's not for everyone. When you're faced with a life-threatening situation, however, and you must drive, it's best to have something such as this for a plan. So let's hear about your experience with it, as it's an important topic. All right, so I do think it is an important topic. You hear about people getting stranded in the snow all the time. And he did mention those supplies. You do need to have supplies. If you live up north and it, it is so bad that, you know, the snowfall is so bad that you can, for whatever reason, run off the, the road or, you know, into an embankment or whatever, right? You do need to have supplies to be able to navigate that. And uh, hopefully as we get a little bit closer and in, in deeper into winter, then I'll share some, some of those articles. They usually come up on Prepper website and I can share those with you. But I do, I do again, want to say, I'm not sure if this works or not, if this is possible or not. Now he is saying here, if you can't do it, pull over to the side. Now this is for like 
for whatever reason, you have somebody that is sick and maybe they're dying. Maybe they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, they, you need it. It's an emergency. You need to get to uh, a hospital right away. And so you have this option of being able to drive in this way. So I don't know if it's possible. Some of you that are listening, maybe you can give me some insight into this. Like I said, you can come over to episode 446 uh, over at theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and then you can leave a message for me or a comment and then I can I can share that. But, uh, you know, winter is coming. Those of you that are up north dealing with this kind of stuff, uh, you know, you need to be uh, safe and careful. And just like we were talking about having a plan for the bug out locations and, and stuff like that, you need to have a bug out or I'm sorry, you need to have a plan for whiteout conditions. And if you get stuck driving in bug out, lo- in, in, I'll keep saying bug out location. If you get stuck driving in whiteout, lo- <laughs> I, I can't get it out. If you get stuck driving in a whiteout conditions, there you go. All right, so uh, that's going to be over at readynutrition.com. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Like always, you can go to it. And then there's other links here in this article that you can click on and uh, you know get more information. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 446. Hey, don't forget to come on over to Facebook and click like on the event with James Leary uh, talking about home security. We're looking, I'm looking forward to that. I hope you can join us on Thursday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you are new to the podcast or you have never subscribed, I'm going to invite you to come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. There you can subscribe in all the different podcast channels. And when you subscribe, you ensure that you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.